You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Heyo! Welcome to the Back Check episode 14, everybody. It's Sunday morning. I'm wired. I'm ready to go. Don't know why, but I missed the whole entire Lake Tahoe game because, you know, screw the East Coast. 12 o'clock at night, and I'm on that old man schedule now. Brendan Azoff, Stefan Rosner. How you doing today, buddy? Well, I'm disappointed. I thought I was going to open this show. I thought you just said to me, you want to open it? And I said, sure. And then no. you just took it from me. No, it's my thunder, man. It's true. It is, it is your thunder. I'm tired, by the way. I did stay up to watch the whole game. And then, even though the game ended about, I don't know, 1.30, 2-ish, I was like, you know, what's another hour going to do? And so, so, yeah, so I did that and woke up pretty early to do my usual uh, writing. And, yeah, I'm pretty tired, but we do have a lot to discuss because yesterday was a crazy day in the NHL. Let's kick it off with just the sheer dominance of Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews, uh, stud. I think that that's how you could say it. Uh, when you look in the dictionary and you look up synonyms, I think it's Austin Matthews and the synonym for it is stud. But absolutely tearing through the league right now. I Okay, I'm going to say this. I think that there's tiers in the NHL when it comes to players. Agreed. I think that there is an elite superstar tier mm-hmm. that is two players. And it is. Three. Three. Who's, who's the third? Well, I would say McDavid, I would say McKinnon, and then I'd yeah. say Crosby. Crosby's unreal. You can't you can't not put Crosby in that. What not right is? now. I don't think he's at the same pace as those. I think that there's a step below them, like a little step below them. So you're them. saying Ovechkin and Crosby are in the tier two? Yes, I'm saying it's Ovechkin, Crosby, Pasternak, Panarin, Matthews. All those guys are in that second tier where they're superstars, but they're not the elite superstar. Look at Look at what the other two are doing. No, oh, I'm well, I'm well aware. I mean, we were just talking about it before the show. Look at what McKinnon did last night. You talked about his acceleration, and I remember earlier on in this podcast, you know, episode history. If you scrolled back, I talked about how I know Chris McFarland, who's the Avs AGM, and we had a conversation. He said, "You don't see anybody in the league that can move as fast with both hands and feet at the same time as McKinnon." Now, arguably, McDavid does too, but. McKinnon has a knack to just go back and forth and shoot, and oh my god, uh, what a shot! I didn't know what well, I thought we were going to start with Matthews, but whatever. We'll, we'll start with Lake Tahoe because why gonna, not? There's too many good players. We got to yeah, bounce that, around. That's that's fair enough. Watching the goal, so McCarr got it in his own zone, and little drop pass to McKinnon, who practically was walking. And then seconds later, there's a goal. I mean, he picked up speed. He broke over the biggest Golden Knights into their zone. And just let one freaking go. I mean, Flurry had zero chance. This was put in the perfect spot. 
and I love this celebration because it's it's like a humbling celebration where he just puts his hands out for his team. He just knows they're dirty. Now it's Petrolangelo he beat too. It's almost more disrespectful. And <laughs> he sells like that because he goes, look what I just did to you. And I could do it again if I wanted to. But all right. He didn't beat Petrangelo. Okay. As a defenseman, he did not beat Petrangelo. Yeah, he beat him to the outside. Petrangelo did yes. what he had to do. You can't stop McKinnon, but he kept him out there. You have to make your goalie has to make a save, but it's impossible yeah. to stop his release. So that's why he does what he does on a consistent basis. Before we do talk about Matthews, though, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. What do you think about Mike Tirico calling hockey games? I like it. I like him a lot. I, it's I, different though because when I hear him play, I'm when I'm hear him doing the play I play. I'm waiting for him to like mess up and say something about like something like quarter or something that's yeah. football because I'm always geared to him listening to football. But every time he says something, you know, intelligent about hockey, I go, "Oh, he really does know hockey." So I think that he's a great announcer. Yes, I think that the fact that he doesn't like hockey or didn't like or watch, you know, however you want to say that. And is now calling NHL games. And like you said, not messing up is unreal. He's the ultimate professional. I just don't like his play-by-play as much as I like his regular broadcasting. Like when you watch Mike Tirico and you think of Mike Tirico, I don't think of play-by-play. I think of the host. You know, he's the guy that sets up everything, has those deep talks, and he's phenomenal at that. And he's very good at play-by-play. But I personally love John Forslund and Kenny Albert. And I would have loved to hear their voice on these. Uh, Brendan Burke would have been great. Brendan Burke is another one that would have been phenomenal. Another, put... uh, Sam Rosen, excuse me, outdoors would have been great. <laughs> they should have put the intermission guy up. Whoever that guy was, they kept cutting to about <laughs> NASCAR and You're whatever that was. I've no, I had no idea. First off, he's wearing the mask. So it was really hard to understand what he was saying. And I just didn't know who he was. So they kept talking. I thought he was just a fan that, you know, Came up from the lake and was just watching. <laughs> Do you think he was wearing a mask to keep uh, the COVID away or his face warm? Face warm. <laughs> I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere. It's not the middle of nowhere. It's like Tahoe. No, he was in. He wasn't next to the rink. He was like off into the woods or into the little section where they do in the, the cuts woods. next it's to a fire. Uh, he was on, uh, they, they what? They planned hole eighteen. He was on hole like sixteen. He was taking a detour. Maybe he was playing a couple of rounds. In the in the, the waking moments of the night, the did you see in the first? I guess you could say the first edition of this outdoor game when it was you know sunlight out and nine hours earlier. Yeah. yeah, when they tried to have Nathan McKinnon do the hole in one challenge, and he failed. And it's freezing cold outside. This guy's trying to rip an iron for a hole in one. I, I thought those were unfair conditions, but Joe Sackick did it. So good, good for him. I mean, I fell asleep after the first period, and I woke up. And I was like, you got to be kidding. Me. I just slept through this. And I'm watching the TV. And I, you know, I'm half, a, uh, half awake or half asleep, rather. And like, they're replaying the first period. And I'm, I'm like, I saw this. Then I looked at Twitter and saw your tweet that said this game was going to be played at 12. And I was like, oh, boy. We got some midnight hockey. It sounds like us playing in a game at skate It really is. Listen, I set an alarm for 12. And I woke up at 12. And I watched that puck drop. And then the next thing I know, there's 12 minutes left. And then the next thing I know, it says, your game has ended on the NBC Sports stream. And I said, damn, I guess I missed it. But I got to watch the highlights. And I'm glad I did because Nathan McKinnon is very, very good at the sport. But another person that's very good that we said we were going to talk about first, (laughs) and I kind of went on a a tangent here, Austin Matthews. Yeah. And I know you have the advanced stats you want to get into, but I'm a simple guy. So I'm going to read the simple stuff. Two straight four-point games, back-to-back games with two goals, four straight games with a goal, and a 16-game point streak. Ooh, that's good, all right? I mean, I would think that that's pretty good at hockey. And I just want to talk about how yesterday he played Montreal. And Montreal has Carey Price in goal. And Carey Price is widely regarded as one of the best in the league. No matter how bad he is in the season, everyone still thinks he's one of the best. Whatever. You're salty. He's good. I'm not salty. The Rangers beat him every time in the playoffs. I think that carry price is very good i think that he's a little overrated but what austin matthews did yesterday on his two goals the first one was a one-timer he absolutely ripped bar down nobody's stopping it the second one though was a straight shot and his release is so nasty that he pulled it in a tiny bit and forced price to slide the other way and then shot it short side didn't even go anywhere near the bar it was just middle of the net but his little toey release is so filthy 
that Carey Price, who's regarded as elite goaltender, was completely fooled by a shot from 60 feet out. And I think that is just absurd. But like you said, keep it simple. Austin Matthews is good as hockey. We talked good at hockey. We talked about it. He probably has the quickest release in the NHL. And his little, not toe drag, the little when he pulls it into himself and he uses like the defenseman as a screen or he does whatever he does. Just that little second, little move confuses every goalie. It makes it that much harder to track. And it's lethal. It's lethal, man. And as a goalie, I can't imagine having to face him X amount of times this season. If I'm, if I'm a Canadian team and I go, Oh God, Matthews again today. I'm ready for the I'm ready for the goals against average to take a slight bump up. I don't know if you saw the NHL network segment. They did it last year, where they were talking about Matthews release and he showed them the stick. He uses an intermediate stick. Of course he does. And <laughs> he he's like, what is he, six three? And I'm I'm six foot and I use it an extra long senior stick because as a defenseman I like the reach, but I use one that's like at my forehead. And he's using an intermediate stick that can't be higher than his chest. So he has to get low. But I guess when you're that low, it can, he can control it in a way that many people can't. And I know personally I would not feel comfortable using a stick that small. But clearly he does because uh, he ripped 18 Genos in 18 games. Wait, so he's using a Brad Marchand stick? I, I mean, if you want to think about it that way, technically, yes. But I'm, I'm sure Brad Marchand is using a custom stick. There was a player, I forgot who it was, a really tall NHL player who used a tiny stick i'm blanking on who it is but he likes his sticks real small i don't know if it gives him you know like you said ability to to move around and stuff we're we're gonna have to put this episode in the uh the explicit tab of apple shut up (laughs) it's too too early for jokes like that but austin matthews i mean i know that you're talking about long and shorter sticks uh matt zuccarello who we know is very small he uses a stick that was similar in length to like a zidane ochara stick like it was crazy, and Lundqvist said when he first came over and they were having like their first practice together, he asked the guy, "Who's that small Norwegian with the huge stick?" Like, he can't tell his release because when when you think of a player who's that tiny and yeah. he's using a stick that has it's not proportionate to his body, and all of a sudden he's ripping shots, like that's got to be really unnerving for a goalie because you don't know where anything's coming from. The angle's all off. You expect a player to have a stick that's related to his body type. Yeah, it's just it's it's a very weird thing. But players are it's all about what they're comfortable with. If they grew up dominating with intermediate stick, why on earth would they change what they did? Well, we all grew up dominating with intermediate sticks when we were intermediates. Well, I never grew. That, that's true. You uh, still use an intermediate goalie stick. <laughs> I use a mini hockey goalie stick <laughs> with the mini pads. But Austin Matthews <laughs> is just he's shooting at twenty four percent even this year. Okay, so shooting percentages. Unreal. He's winning 53.3% of his draws. He has 22 hits in 18 games played. His career high is 40. He will shatter that. He's got a 65.71 goal score percentage for his team. He's only taken two penalties. And the coolest thing that I think is he's taken 18 hits on the year. His second lowest mark for hits in a season that he takes is 66. So he's probably going to get hit less as well this year. So... Pretty much Austin Matthews can do no wrong besides make John Tavares look absolutely useless. Well, he, I, I think he finally realized that he doesn't have to necessarily go into those corners and get hit and he could save his body because he has the ability to score from the outside. So if you watch him now, he's just slowly reading the play, setting up, setting up, lets the puck find him and rips it. There, there's no need for him to go into the corner and grind and wear down when he, he can score 18 times from the outside like that. So that's just smart. And that's what we kind of hope that Alexei Lafreniere learns from Rangers standpoint. Not that, you know, he's Austin Matthews because he's not. And I think that he will be good. Ultimately, he'll figure it out. We saw his goal against Washington, which we'll talk about his hands in front. Like those, that's what we wanted to see. He is going to have to be the guy that gets gritty. And he's a, he's strong for a 19 year old. He's going to get stronger. But what Austin Matthews does, Lafreniere's got to look at that and say, I got to do the opposite. I got to be like that Mitch Marner type where I'm feeding people, getting those pucks, trying not to get hit, being uh, quick and slick with my stick, that that type of aspect. So he'll learn. But Austin Matthews is phew, otherworldly. Did did I say Colorado was going to win? And you said you picked Vegas in the first game? Yes. yes. 
Okay, so I'm one and zero. Oh, you're zero and one. I count that off though because of the delay. You know, it changed, uh, it changed things. It changed so then, things. so I'm going to count my loss tonight because inevitably Boston's going to win. I I forgot that Flyers are dealing with. Yeah, much. they. I think the six players that missed against the Rangers are still out. Well, so I, I know, I know, Krejci and Miller are out for Bruins today. They won't play. Cassidy announced that yesterday. But I I think that it's Giroux, Voracek, Konechny. Uh, Lawton, Oscar Lindbaum. I think all those guys are out, and Justin Braun. So, so you're saying the money I, line right now? It's about the Flyers to win. It's probably probably a very nice payout if they do. I I don't think so because when you look at it's an outdoor game, so the players that are playing are going to be playing with a little more juice, and they played the Rangers really tight. And I think that if this game happened before the Rangers played the Caps and did what they did against the Capitals, it might be more favoring the Boston Bruins. But when you look at that and you say, okay, the Capitals are another good team and the Rangers kind of pump them, maybe Philly with the group is playing more defensively. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a line because of the scenario and setting. If it was a regular game in source, yes, Boston would be heavy, heavy favorites. I mean, I think the Bruins win just because I think they're the better team, but also Carter Hart's not having a good season. He's not. He's so, not. And so that, we, that we, have a, we follow Vinny Parise. We've worked with Vinny Parise. He was a big Devils fan. You you either like him or you hate him because of his takes. But he did say are like the two best young goalies in the league playing in that Devils Rangers game right now. And I personally, right now, I have to agree because and Carter Hart doesn't look like that. He, I mean, he could great. be having a bad Blackwood's unreal. He's been great. Just starting just- after that two or three bad games. You can't beat him anymore besides that one fluke goal that he gave up the other day. But I, I said people were going down Zabanajad's throats and his throat for that one goal. And I'm sitting here thinking if that's the only goal he's going to give up, he's going to stop everything else. You're taking that every single time. He had a, he already had a 3 nothing lead. He, he's in a zone right now where everything looks easy for him. And we talked about how Sorokin is making these sprawling saves. Very rarely do you see uh, Shesterkin making those saves over this stretch right now. And it's not because the Rangers are playing great defensively, which they are. They're not giving up those same high-quality chances they usually do, but he's can just I, can I answer in this? Can I answer this? Yeah, go. Positioning. Yeah, He's there. He's locked on. He's at. Ev- he's aggressive. He's at every – you know, when the shot comes, he's set and ready. He controls his rebounds. The, you know, the sprawling saves are great, but they're pretty much on the goalie for – whether it's a rebound or a bad read or you're not coming off your angle, that's when you have to lash out and do splits and make stellar saves. But in a, in a perfect world, as your goalie, you want to make about 15 saves in a game. Because, again, you might make 40 saves in a game. 10, 15 of those could come off your rebounds you allow. And then you have to make that secondary save. But that's not saying that you're playing great, great. You're not letting goals in, but you're the reason for all these opportunities. So if you're locked and loaded and you're ready to go, you face about 15, 16 shots a game. No real high danger issues. No sprawling in front of the net. No, you know, trying to read through screens. It's perfect. And when you're on your game like that, it's very hard to beat, which is why I think we see so many more deflections nowadays and all that kind of stuff because bullies just get so set so quick and they re- their readability is great. Like you said, when you're locked in like Shesterkin is right now, it, it's very hard to beat him. And the fluke goal is going to be the way to beat him. Bad bounces or wide open players just ripping shots like Austin Matthews. Yeah, it's... It's honestly, it's rather crazy to see how good he is. And I don't watch Sorokin play as much. Obviously, he doesn't play a ton. Me neither, because he hasn't played. Like, that's what I was going to say. He doesn't play a ton. But I do know that you have followed him a lot closer. And when I watch Shesterkin, the thing that stands out to me the most is he not only is always in position, but when he drops down, he's so square that everything that hits him just falls in front of him. You, you you don't see him give out those huge rebounds that come back to bite him. And I think he's gotten beat a couple of times by just young like decision-makings where a shot will come from the point that's going wide, and he wants to so badly put into the corner that he misses it, and now he's out of position. We saw a couple like that. So if you take those away, I mean, we're looking at the best goaltender in the NHL. He is fifth right now. With goalies that have played over seven games in goals allowed average, right? He's right behind Varlamov. Varlamov is a 207. Shesterkin has a 223. So you take away those two or three bad goals, he's right there with him. He's got a 922 save percentage. Uh, I mean, his numbers are outstanding. And he also does not have a shutout in the NHL yet. So I am waiting on that. I really want him to get that. I thought that yesterday was going to be it. And, of course, that bad goal goes in because he looked locked in. 
but I'm praying, praying that on Wednesday when they play the Flyers again, he goes back to Shesterkin. Quinn. Please, pl- Quinn, please don't put Georgiev in. Georgiev looked very good. He looked very good. He played great. It was a great game. He won in a shootout. He beat the Flyers. I don't want to. I, I know he beat the Flyers. Please put Shesterkin back in. This guy is your number one. He's an absolute stud. Please, please. He, he's, he's had two straight games with phenomenal decision-making behind the bench. And if I'm saying that, oh, my God, it must have been really good. Please don't butcher this. I can't wait for your year to be in that. I just can't. I, I'm, I'm preparing for it. Well, to go back to Lake Tahoe game quickly because, you know, we didn't really discuss what happened yesterday. You know, I picked Colorado. Uh, excuse me. I picked Vegas to win. You picked Colorado. Nobody picked the Sun. And the sun won. <laughs> the because, sun murdered you know, about the spread. Ice melts. And did you notice on the right side of the Colorado Avalanche zone? Or obviously two periods. There's like there's marks on the rink. Looks like there was something wrong with the ice there. The whole well, entire game. It's because it's fake ice. Well, yeah, I know. But there's something weird going on. It was funky. That's what pissed me off about this whole thing. Do you remember when there was a stadium series in LA? Yeah, and they actually were great at keeping the ice. Because um, they didn't use ice. They used synthetic ice. If you knew that there was a chance that the sun could be a problem, which it is because I don't know if you ever went outside, but there's a <laughs> sun. That There's a thing called the sun out there, and it shines down more often than not. Use synthetic ice. If it was good enough back then, this is two years later, three years later, I'm sure you have some enhancements to it. Just use it, and then you avoid all of this unnecessary drama. Did you hear? I don't know if you saw Darren Drager's tweet. Um, he said that the issue is the advertisements on the ring because in the sun, the paint goes into the ice, and it makes it bumpy. And he said when on his home rink, he doesn't do that. Yeah, I did see that. And that would have been cured if they used synthetic ice. Yeah, but anyway, there was nine hours between goals. It was the longest first intermission in history. I did the math. I forgot the math, so I'm not going to even embarrass myself. But it was a long, it was a long while between periods. But the people that are going, oh, what a bad look for the NHL. No, stop it. Shut up. Okay, because well, it is. It's, it's it's not a bad look because you got the game played. It's not for that standpoint, but it was on trying, NBC, and then it I know. finished on NBC Sports, and that's yes. a bad look. That's a bad look. Fine, but the NHL is trying something. I like this. Way more than a stadium series of fans. Pick a crazy location in the United States or Canada, put a rink there, have the ambience and all that scenery. Because I mean, the scenery was beautiful yesterday, and play a hockey game. Yes, make sure the ice is fine and that the sun's not a bad thing. But playing at night was cool. You don't get the scenery. And I know tonight's game is at seven thirty now, and it was supposed to be a day game because again, because of the ice. But I thought it was an excellent. Besides that issue, which they, I mean, they can't really control. You said you synthetic ice, but they, they looked at the weather. There was not supposed to be sun. It was supposed to be cloudy the whole day. Clearly, they were wrong, and their meteorologist should be fired. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they got the game done. It was a cool experience for the players, the fans, coach, not the fans. I mean, the fans get to watch on TV. Players, coaches, refs. I mean, people that grew up playing on an outdoor rink, and I thought it was really cool that they tried it. It didn't work, but now they know moving forward that. If you're going to do it during the day, you got to make sure you have proper things in place. But if they, they could put a game literally anywhere in these monumental places, these famous historic places, whatever, and have a hockey game, I think it's way better than having fans in a stadium series game when majority of the fans can barely see the rink anyway. Well, next year was supposed to be in the Grand Canyon, but they realized the sun would be a uh, problem. <laughs> I've been to the Grand Canyon. The sun is a problem. <laughs> well, our buddy, Stat Boy Steven, we had him on the show. He's yeah. going to come on again. Uh, to talk Rangers prospects, but he put out a tweet that said, why not do this in every location? Like, like you just said, and if you really want to have fans there to add to the experience, you could build stands, just put metal bleachers there, have a smaller group and make it like a, uh, you know, a close knit experience. Because when you go to these stadium series games or winter classic, you're sitting so far away. It's almost pointless. You go just for the experience. So now you could have these fans sit on top of the action like they do at a regular game, have this beautiful scenery. You could build the bleachers on one side of the ice. You don't even have to do both sides so you could still see the landscape. And boom, all of a sudden, you have an event. And I think that they should – I always said, and this is before Lake Tahoe, 
I watched an, a college basketball game get played on a Naval Academy ship. Yes. And that was the coolest thing I've ever seen because you had the armed forces were there. They were watching. Obviously, they're all deployed. And, and now they get an experience that you know you usually don't get when you're deployed. And it was just an awesome atmosphere. You're on a naval ship. How cool would that be? They played hockey on a naval ship? I mean, come on. How sick would that be? I don't know that'd how be, it's going to work. That'd be sick, though. But if you were playing that game, how many pucks are ending up in the water? Well, you. who cares? <laughs> no, that'd be really cool. I mean, hockey anywhere and just on a rink, just don't do it in a state. You don't need to do it in a stadium. You're, you're realizing that I think the scenery and the atmosphere is more important. I mean, I, I personally think that would be great. I have no idea how it would work. And I'm not in that system that plans it. And I know that would probably be a complete hassle. But to me, that would be so cool. You could do it not even as a regular season. Do it as a preseason game. That way, you know, if, if stuff happens, it doesn't count. But to me, that would be an awesome experience. And and we always talk about the NHL is trying to grow and expand yeah. and, and give back. I mean, that's such a cool way to give back. You got to... There, there's definitely people in the Navy, you know, all these that, that love hockey. So why not give them a game? Completely agree. Before we get to the Rangers, I would love to start with the Islanders because I am pissed off. Because you're a homer. Sure. Anyway, the Islanders yesterday <laughs> played so well and lost. And Trot said, you know, life's not fair sometimes. But – 35 shots on goal to the Penguins, 18. Islanders won 60.4% of the draws. 53 hits. 53 hits to the Penguins, 30. Which is a lot. They give up a lot of hits. But 53 hits. And we spoke about how hits rack up when you don't have the puck on your stick. But the Islanders had the puck on their stick a lot. They were just hitting everything. I mean, they outshot the Penguins 16-4 to in the first. And turning point of the game was the missed opportunities. Jari played a hell... The Islanders are making Jari look like a superstar goal these last few games, and we know how bad Jari is. But he was locked in, like you said, when Oli's locked in, it's really hard to beat. But it was just... It was just unreal to watch because the Islanders had so many chances and couldn't bury it, and the Penguins got their minimal chances and scored. Defensive breakdowns yet again. Barzal not getting back and losing his man in his own zone leads to a goal. Latang, we talked about, looks like his old self. I mean, he's got uh, two goals, two perfectly, you know, perfectly placed goals. The first that, one, that second one was second beautiful. one was beautiful. The first one, I did not like Barlamov's positioning on it at all. It was very far out. He wasn't screened. He dropped, and when you drop, you, you, you put yourself in a bad spot. He didn't track it. That's one goal, though. I mean, Nelson got his first even strength goal of the season, and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't like to chew my own horn, but sometimes you have to. Every before every game, I pick a player to watch. And the last three games I've picked players, they've all been the player that scored. So I, when Pajot was hot, I picked him. Last night I said, you know what? Nelson hasn't scored a 5-5 five five goal. Um, I think he'll be on the line with Bailey. Bailey's been hot with his assist. I think he gets the goal tonight. Ka-ching, ka-ching. He does well. Islanders still lost. So it doesn't even matter. got to bet. I did bet the Islanders. No, you don't bet the Islanders. you got to bet the player. That, no, well, we I need don't to have find the a site. Because I, I texted... Uh, our friend Trevor, who is a big Penguins fan, we were talking about this, and I said, "You got to take the over for Crosby points. Oh, you yeah. had two points. So you knew it was. You knew how this game was going to go before it started, but you just didn't want to think about it. Because in my head, I pictured Crosby overtime winner. That's just what I pictured because I've been at too many Islander Penguin games where he's done just that. But the funny thing is, though, for warmups, they all come out wearing number eighty-seven. You saw that? Uh, that was funny. And then they all, so Crosby before every game ties his skates. And when he went down to tie his skates, they all went down and he's just hysterical laughing. They played a great, a great video, you know, commemorating his, I mean, this his a thousand game milestone. And first off, he should have gotten this like three years ago. He missed 200 plus games due to injuries, COVID lockout in his career. And he would have had a thousand games three years ago. And I mean, it's kind of insane just how, how good he is and how much he's missed. I mean, we remember the concussions that missed regular season and playoffs he's been injury prone and he's still able to do this and play the top of this game which is great to see because you know with concussions I mean, your career could be over just like that it he might have uh, a similar career to another penguins legend in mario lemieux i'm just gonna think that and, and not mario lemieux is the better player in my opinion but 
Crosby is like a what if. And you talked about all those games he missed. He's been a part of, I think it was, was it two lockouts? And uh, he's just, a lot of games have been missed due to injuries or out of his control. And if you if you add 200 games to a 1,000-game career at the pace that he's going, I mean, you're talking about a lot more points. You're talking about almost 400 more points. Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah. He would be, I mean, I don't think at the end of the day he cares. You know, he's grateful to play the sport he's played well, for he so long. he won three cups, so. Yeah, I, I don't think he cares about the, the stats there. But Mike Matheson in this game. First off, he's enemy number one. He is dead to me. I never liked him. And last year in the playoffs, when he ended Johnny Boychuk's career, I wanted to take a hammer to his head. And then, you know, professionally, hammer to his head, you know, because he's just a scumbag. And, and I hate to say, you know, I don't want to be like that because he's playing and he's doing his job. But the way he hit Boychuk in the playoffs last year and then the penalty he took pretty much made Florida have to trade him because it was just a terrible defense. To get straight to the Penguins, he's owed. I think it's like $4.75 million for the next seven years. I think that's what it is. I'll look it up. And I'm like, okay, so at least he's going to be garbage for the Penguins. You know, that's it. Uh, Thursday night, he hits Matt Barzell from behind. He didn't put himself in the best best position to, to protect himself, but Barzell goes headfirst into the boards, gets called on the play. I'm like, all right, so then they try to fight him during that game. Matt Martin drops the glove. Matheson won't go. Anders leads him up high. This guy just doesn't want to go because, you know, not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, Steph. I'm not going to say it. Anyway, he doesn't want to fight for whatever reason. And then he scores in this game. Mm-hmm. And I just I just go, why? Like, he's, I, I want him to be bad at hockey. I want him to be bad, and I want him to not have a good season because I don't like him. And then he scores against the Islanders, and it's just like the biggest F you to Johnny Boychuk in the press box, to the fan base at home. I, mean, I really feel for Johnny Boychuk. And Johnny Boychuk talked about how that hit didn't really end his career. It was the, uh, the cut to his eye and the peripheral vision and all that stuff. But Matheson, it's just, it's just one of those – he's like Tom Wilson for me. And I, I've actually gained more respect for Wilson because he plays this game consistently. It's not like it's every other game he, he comes out and it's just an absolute you – know, I know he had a bad hit. I know, I know what you're going to say. He had a bad hit the other night, which is fine. Well, not fine. It's not good. But that's him as a player. And he's, but he's good at hockey. Like he scores, like he's good at hockey. So the the stuff that he does there doesn't affect his play. Matheson is not good. If you're comparing him to NHL defensemen, he's just not good. And then he gets away with these hits or no suspensions, whatever it is. And then he finds a way to score, and he doesn't score. His first goal as a Penguin. I'm looking at you, like, you got to be kidding. Yeah, I'm. You talk about Wilson. Wilson took a run at Strom yesterday. Yes, yes. And... Congratulations to Strom, by the way. First yeah. player to have 100 points with Rangers and Islanders in history. So that's yeah, pretty cool. Scored his 100th uh, NHL goal. He got his 100th point with the Rangers. Big, big week for Strom. Um, but, yeah, he took a, a run at him. And he hurt Strom on the play and Verona. Like, he took out two He doesn't care about his teammates. But uh, it was a two-minute penalty and fine. But I looked at the play, and, and I don't know where he was trying to hit. Like, there's a lot of hits that Tom Wilson throws where I go, okay, the puck's there. It's a questionable hit because he's a bigger man. He's trying to be physical, and I can give him a little rope. The puck wasn't even like it was just a weird play where Strom had the puck, it was gone, and you could count and you could take that one one thousand. I was watching the Islanders game, and Anders Lee threw a hit on Latang behind the net, and Butch Goring talked about how you know you had the one one thousand two one two, and it come on, like the Lee one was borderline, and I don't, I don't that I think that's why it didn't get called, but the Wilson one was just buddy. There's no puck there. The Lee one I thought was a penalty because he didn't have the Latang didn't have the puck. It, it should have been a penalty. Was it Lee or Brock Nelson? I think it was Brock Nelson. Was it Brock Nelson? I'm pretty sure it was Brock Nelson, but again, don't don't quote me. But I'm pretty sure it was Brock Nelson that finished. Either way, was I thought it was a 27 penalty. or 29. I know there was yeah. a, there was a 20 something. Yeah, but I thought it was a penalty because I watched the replay. I go, okay, he never he never touched the puck. He just got upended. But the hit on Wilson on Strom, no reason for that hit to happen. Verona's right there. Strom got Strom got rid of the puck already. Right? He he did not have the puck. Yeah, he he, so, he made the play and he was picking. He picked his head up and was looking towards the bench, like he was going for a change. And Verona was tangled with him already. Uh, when Tom Wilson saw his head up, that's like that's like seeing, I don't know, I don't even know what to compare it to. That's like his eyes lit up. Tom Wilson's like, yes, yes, another headshot. Hop. Hopefully, Strom's a, Strom's fine. He finished the game. Yeah, right? he, he, he came back. He was fine. He went back. He started the power play. Like he went to the bench. I think he just got like the wind knocked out of him. But I mean, if if Wilson didn't go up, 
So if he raised and went towards the head, Strom would have been done. Like it would have been a concussion. You don't know how long he's out, but Wilson was able to. He kept his shoulder down, so he went to the brunt of his shoulder, and I think that that's why Strom's fine. But it, did you see, it did you see what did you see what Carrier did last night against Landeskog? I did not. As he was leaving the as Landeskog was leaving the zone, Carrier hit him, but hit him with his um, forearm at his neck. Like tried to like not clothesline him, but he hit him like with the forearm right to the neck. Uh, did it get caught? It didn't get called. Landis Scott turned around and was like, what the? Like, Landis Scott was hurt. And then he got back up and pushed him. And then you saw Carrie on the bench talking to Reeves. You know, that makes sense. Mm, well, Reeves isn't dirty, though. No, not anymore. He's had his, he's had his suspensions. Well, any type of player that's on the fourth line that, that is that physical is going to have suspensions because they, they play on that line. But Reeves, I don't think, is dirty. He's just, no. he's a tank. And <laughs> the one thing to go back to before we get to the Rangers and then we, you know, we end this fabulous episode. The Lake Tahoe game, watching these two teams play, I don't know if it's because of one, the East Coast, and the Islanders just play such a different style than everybody else where, quote-unquote, you may think it's boring, but it's like the defensive-minded thing. These two teams are both, first off, very good defensive teams. Like, they are top defensive teams in the NHL. But they're just watching them play against each other was, was just unreal. It was so fun to watch. I mean, every second it was open ice and – Shots, great saves, great plays. I really just couldn't. I would watch that matchup all the time, and I wish we got to watch it more being on the East Coast. They're the two best teams in the West. Yes. Or no, uh, they're I the guess, two best teams. But I, I don't. I say West, thinking Western Conference. There's no Western Conference. They're they're the two best teams in the West Division. I know the Blues are in first place, but they have 18 games played, and they only have one more point than the Knights, who have 15 games played, and three more points than the Avalanche, who have 14 games played. So it's very evident that those are the two best teams in that division. And there's a very good case that they might be the two best teams in the league. Now, you have the Lightning, who are just the Lightning. Yeah, I don't hold merit to the Maple Leafs start as much, even though they look very good. I it's that's just a, a easy division to score on, and with a team that has that much offense, like they're plus twenty one in goal differential. I don't know if that's the same thing when you play other teams. Like if they were in that East playing against the, the no, because you played Vancouver, which is probably one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and then you also have the Senators there. I mean, we think about the defenders and goaltenders that we see in the East on a nightly basis. You can't compare it. That's what I, it's just, it's tough. Now they're off to a great start and they have 30 points, but to me, it's a little iffy. Uh, You look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is 10, four and one. Carolina is an absolute wagon. First off, Chicago. They're not that good. No, but they they beat up on on Detroit. They have 19 games played. They're one point. But they have to be like, you have to beat the bad teams. Chicago's giving themselves a fighting chance. They're not making the playoffs, if that's what you're going No, I don't think they're making the playoffs, but they're playing better than anybody. It's, this team, you know, you thought this team was going to be behind Detroit uh, because I mean, of Taves being out. No, quote-unquote, no goaltender. Looks like they found a goalie. Goaltender, I, yep. I mean, Patrick King with the spinorama goal again. Are you can't serious? Can't go in. No, I can't go in at all. But we know how back ends are. Like they're the hardest for a goalie to save because you don't know where the shot's coming off from. But it beat him, it beat him seven whole blocker side. It can't go in. But the fact that he did that, it's just Malkin's. I think Malkin's uh, spinorama back angle is the best spinorama back angle I've ever seen when it went far down. And that was against Carolina. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I think that goal did come against Carolina. I'm not sure. Was it against Carolina or was it against Edmonton? Edmonton. Edmonton. It was at Talbot, right? Yep. Yeah. So. I mean, those are vicious. Speaking of backhand moves, Jordan Eberle's backhand move last night was filthy, and he always makes that move. Well, the and reason I, they were filthy is because everyone thought he was going to shoot it. Well, Matheson, by the way, was guarding his own man back door. Okay. I saw this on the broadcast. That's not on Matheson. No, no, no. It's not on Matheson. I'm just it, saying, though, unfortunately for Matheson, he was guarding his own man back jo- door. Joseph was on that side and skated and that way. And Matheson was in front of him and was already backing up guarding the pass, and it was just miscommunication. But that was Matheson's side. So I just want to blame Matheson for everything I possibly can. You could blame him for scoring a goal. I do. I do blame him. I hope he did not get a good night's sleep. I'm sure he slept like a baby. Yeah, but back to Everly. 
he had all the time in the world to pull off that move. And that's not, that, but see, the thing for me is there's times when Everly decides he's going to go to the backhand move when it's not there. And the forehand move is just like, hey, hey, forehand, hey, hey, Everly, stay forehand because you have the shot there. And he doesn't do that. And he goalies make great saves because he goes to the backhand and it's not open. When he does that, it's, it's like, yes, you know, smart, smart, smart play. And it's something that Barzal does very well where he, he really picks his spots to go backhand. And we've seen some, his goal against the Florida Panthers where he waited, waited, waited for everyone to slide over and then he just backhand. I mean, if everybody's, everybody's been great this year and if he could get going and scoring more goals, but again, Islanders just, their issue is they don't have that, that score. Yep. Look back, you take 35 shots in a game and you take 18 or whatever it was in the first period. You put a guy like Brian in this game or any other pure score or score in general, the Islanders have a commanding lead in this game going into the second period. And the fact that they didn't score, which wasn't a problem, like, okay, there's nights where you can run into a hot goal and you don't score. You got to get the first one. Penguins score first. Then you score, but the Islanders had a lead in the third period. It blew a lead. And uh, it looked like I was watching the Rangers. It's just unfortunate because I read a lot of stuff on Twitter and people are like, well, this team is not a good team. They just have a really good coach and that's blah, blah. And sure. You say the honors aren't a really good team. And it's not a terrible point. And I really thought about it and was like, you know what? They're, they're not an amazing team. They have a great coach and the great coach is the reason why they win games in the defensive system. But you go into the playoffs, you take, you dominate periods like that and don't score. It's going to be so demoralizing. And you know, when you get your chances, the owners got one power play in the game yesterday. And pretty sure it was one. And for a physical game like this, it was very, you know, they were playing smart. So the Islanders had one power play opportunity. The Penguins had one. Islanders power play has been great. But in the past, in big moments, they don't come through. Well, they go 0 for 1 on their power play. And guess who does score on the power play? The Penguins on their one opportunity. And while that's not the game changer, you know, well, Islanders you, missing. You win the special teams battle. You win the game. But if the Islanders had come through on the power play, they'd probably win this game. But it's the fact that the Penguins came through to tie it in the second period or take the lead in the second period. I'm trying to think. I know it was Latang's goal. So they they took a one nothing lead. Latang's goal was the first goal? Yeah. Yes, the power play goal to take the one nothing lead in the second. I mean, it's just things like that where Islanders don't rack up a ton of power plays in a game. They've been getting one or two in each game, and they've been coming through, which is great. But it, does, it doesn't matter. You know, stats are really don't, don't really mean much in hockey at all. You come into the game with the best power play in the league or worst power play or best penalty kill or best face-off team. But it matters what you do in that 60 minutes. And in the playoffs, it does not matter if you have not scored one power play goal. In a big moment, you need a power play goal. You got to get the job done or you're going to lose. And that's something that hurt, hurt the Islanders in the past. And, you know, you want to see them start to come through. But again, it comes back to they need a pure goal scorer. Yep. And Wallstrom looked great yesterday. He was all over the place. The goals will come. I keep hearing. I keep seeing. The goals will come. The goals will come. They got to come soon. I mean, if the goals are going to come at some point, you have to have been now, or what's the point of even having a guy like that in the playoffs on the roster? Because, again, right now, Wallstrom seems to be solidifying himself on the third line. But the goals will come. That's what it is. It's like we're, we're right there. We're on the cusp of him breaking out into the NHL and being that goal scorer. But the Islanders need that now. You know, there's so many guys. Doc Cole, we're just waiting. You know, he gets one goal here. They're gonna floodgates gonna open. Kiefer Bellows, so close. The floodgates are gonna open. But how many? How how long can you wait? It's a short. Kiefer Bellows played bad on the game on Thursday, and Trot called him out and said he's gonna make the most of his opportunity. And he's now out of the lineup, and you don't know when he's gonna get his next crack. Assuming you know it'll happen, but you don't know when he's gonna get his next crack. But at the same time, the guys that are in the lineup that aren't scoring. It's the same thing when you have leaders like Brock Nelson who just got his first five on five goal of the year. Where we're already X amount of games in. I mean, great, he scored. He's got to continue to score because again, it comes down to the first line was great, but you just got you just got to put pucks on net. And you didn't make you know you're not getting screens in front of Jari. I mean, you're seeing everything, and it's just again, you know, I'm I'm really on the they need a goal scorer right now. They need to make a move at the deadline. Get rid of some of these young guys that you don't think are gonna. Like, I'd be all for trading a guy like Kiefer Bellows. I would be all for it. Because right now, Wallstrom has the upper hand over him. And you expect Wallstrom, the play Dal Cole's been playing, you sort of want him to be a stable in this lineup as well. I know he missed last night's game, but he, he had an injury. I think it was from a blocked shot in Thursday's game. He couldn't go. But when he's ready to go, he goes in. I just think, you know, lose a very good general manager. 
this team needs a goal scorer to get them on the, you know, we talked about it. Are they a contender to win the Stanley Cup? No. They're a playoff contender, and they could make it to the Stanley Cup. We saw last year what has to happen for that to happen. That's six and, playoff. Well, that, but the Islanders were scoring. Islanders scoring goals in the playoffs. 3.00 goals game. What? They're not making the playoffs this year. Well, I, don't know. I think they're making the playoffs this year, but it's going to have to. Who are they going to jump in front of? Well, I, I just don't. The Penguins played well against the Islanders. I just don't see the Penguins. All the Penguins have to do is play well against the Islanders. Yeah, they play them a ton of times. A ton of times in February. And I saw a fan, a fan after the game, and I commented on one of my posts and said, Islanders aren't in a playoff spot right now. And I literally I said to him, I said, that's going to change every single night, the playoff right. fixture. And he goes, I said, don't worry about it now. He goes, well, why, why shouldn't I worry about it now? You know, you have to worry about it. It's a short season. I said, yeah, but look at these standings. The Sabres are finally got a win, by the way, over the Devils. Sabres are in uh, last place with 12 points. Islanders are in fifth place with 19, tied for fourth, tied for third, which is tied for second. And Islanders don't have the advantage over those three teams ahead of them. But winning their next game and one of those losses, they're back in the playoff spot. But I'm not going to freak out and go, all right, guys, Islanders are in a playoff spot because I don't think the playoffs will be set until the last game of the season. It's just too close. Yeah. The Devils can make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen, but anything is possible in a season like this. It really is. One injury here, one injury there, a goalie goes down. I mean, anything is possible where I you just can't you can't watch the, the standings this early because you are in control. Every team in this division has to focus on themselves. Because if they focus on other teams, they're going to lose. And if the focus isn't on their game and coming out with points, like if the Islanders were going to overtime last night, I'd be pissed if they lost because, again, they dominated, but it's a point. And you're going to take a point every single night. If you take a point every night, you're in, you're in good shape in this league. So Islanders did it, unfortunately, and it hurt them. I don't think there's a reason to pay attention to the standings right now. But you always have to pay attention to the standings, but there's not a reason not, to panic. Not yeah. There's no reason to go look right now on this Sunday morning and say the Islanders are in fifth place and it's over. Yeah, and no, we should be worried. It's not. I'd be worried because they don't have a goal scorer. They don't look well, overly impressive outside of that mini streak that they had. They're not a great hockey team. And I do agree that they have a phenomenal head coach, and that's why that they've had success. I don't think that last year is going to happen again. Even if they started scoring, I just this don't would be a, This would be very tough for that to happen again, just because of, again, now you have the Bruins in their division. It's a little different. You have just have really, really good teams, but Again, I, I think Yonders get into. I really do think Yonders could find a way in the fourth spot. But if they ended the season in the sixth spot, a point out, I wouldn't okay, be shocked. But if they if they finish in the fourth spot, you're playing the Bruins in the first round. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that they. they no, this is going to. I repeat what they did last year is going to take a miracle. Well, let, let's talk about the Rangers. Okay, Charlie, I'm going to start our Rangers talk with a question that I'm going to pose to you. You love just hitting me with questions, making sure I'm awake. On, on this uh, I, I have show. to. I have to keep you on your toes. You just talked for a while, so now i got to make sure you don't just you know, fall asleep. Go off into a, to the sunset and daydream. Speaking of sun again, hopefully again today is not as bad as Lake Tahoe. Continue. Uh, if there's sun at 730, it's a different issue. Uh, is Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. the most valuable player to his team in the National Hockey League? Yes, and he was last year too. Okay, last year I can make the case that McKinnon is. But uh, yes, I get I understand the McKinnon thing, but the Rangers would be absolutely nothing. I mean, Zabanajev was good last year as well, but Panarin was just. I mean, Panarin he, misses two games. They they score one goal combined in the two games. They come back. They win two. No, I I believe Panarin is the most valuable player in the NHL to his team. I would this year. I would add Barzal, not yeah. to the top. I would not to the top, but. If you take Barzell out of this lineup, let's say you didn't sign and was holding out, mm-hmm. Islanders might the way if Islanders started the way they started and there was no scoring except for Barzell setting up plays, Islanders are behind the Sabres in the standings. Like you take him away because the Rangers have. No, I know the offense isn't there for the Rangers this year, and if you take Panarin out, they're probably down below with the Islanders as well. But if you're thinking about most valuable to their team. Pretty much, it's Barzell or nothing for the majority of the season. Yeah, no, it's a very fair point. I, I just Panarin's unreal. Because the Banajet couldn't buy a point, and Panarin comes into the lineup, and the points just find him. Okay, it, Panarin bought him with his contract. I mean, 
He, sure, but he's just that good. I, it's crazy to watch because you, you talk about McKinnon. You talk about how fast he is, right, and how he can go from zero to 100, and all of a sudden he's ripping shots. That's the exact opposite of Panarin. Panarin slows everything down. He lulls you to sleep, and then, boom, you can find something. And very underrated is his shot. He hit two posts in that first game against Yeah, I, I saw the one. Was he the one-timer one? Yeah, I mean, just absolute rips right to the corner. He's he's very good. So Banajet gets the monkey off his back finally. It's an empty net goal. Hopefully that does something to him. I think he still needs a haircut. Um, Lafreniere, beautiful goal. Uh, great pass from Panarin. Pass, but he, yeah. he still has the poise to corral it, go to the backhand, finish it off. I, I think that that's going to instill some confidence. Please don't take him off the line with Panarin. Obviously that helps. They did it without Kako, who was arguably their best forward in the, the three previous games. He wasn't scoring, but the guy was buzzing with the puck. So if if I'm the Rangers, if you're leaving that Lafreniere, Zabanajad, Panarin top line, next line should be Strom with Kako and Kreider. Drop Boots to that third line. Let him play with, you know, uh, whether it's Rooney or Blackwell and DiGiuseppe. Let Blackwell center. Uh, and then Edel comes back, and all of a sudden you're, you're looking to produce. Edel should be back within the week, I would think. And if he comes back and plays at the same level he was playing at before, which is always a question mark, he's going to spark something because now teams are going to have to be weary of another threat. Right now it's really Panarin. Strom's been doing well or bust, right? Similar to the Barzal situation. But if Edel comes back and plays that way and all of a sudden either one or two of Lafreniere or Zibanejad can get going, now they're scoring, and that's been their problem because they're not giving up anything. Their penalty kills at 85%. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good one. I, I don't get that. I think that Jacques Martin is an absolute stud of a coach to get to get a penalty kill that's that. There's two things that played a factor into it, Jacques Martin's system and Jack Johnson not playing anymore. Jack Johnson was playing. Their penalty kill was terrible, and there's no coincidence there. Okay, They took him off the penalty kill, took him out of the lineup. All of a sudden, they're going up. So it's better, but they're not giving up goals, man, and if they could score it anywhere close to what they could do last season, that's you're talking problem. about a team that's in the playoffs. That's it. That's what I've been saying that the whole time. This is a team that's an offensive juggernaut when they're on their game. And with the weapons they have, it's honestly unacceptable the way their offense is played because it hurts more. Well, not for me. I love it. But it hurts more for you and Ranger fans because your defense was the question. It wasn't even a thought that your offense wasn't going to come through. It was the fact that what is this defense going to be like in year two with these young guys and the new guys coming into the lineup? And they've been so good. We're watching so good. The, the reincarnation of the 2012 Rangers. That's what it looks like this season. Now that will switch when the offense starts to click. But I look at it and I say, Adam Fox, absolute stud on defense, right? He's your number one defenseman. He can do both. He can do offense, defense. He's undersized, doesn't matter. The guy's crazy with the puck. You have the perfect compliment to him and Ryan Lindgren. Gritty, tough defenseman. They've played together their whole lives, you know. Great. You have your you have your pair right there. Keandre Miller is unreal. Just defensively. Unreal. I did a mailbag. I, I was asked about my biggest surprise this season for the Rangers. It's Keandre Miller. That'll be coming out soon. So you right there, you have three defensemen. Truba's gonna have to be in that mix because of his contract. He's hurt all three or four weeks, right? What happened? He's out for three or four weeks. Four to six. Broken six. thumb. Yeah, so <laughs> that that's a loss. But Libor Hayek looks good. Anthony Botetto has looked good on that bottom pairing. But then you look at next season. You have those four. All of a sudden, you add Nils Lundqvist to that mix, who is just tearing up the biggest league in Sweden right now. He's the only defenseman to have back-to-back double-digit goal seasons before the age of 20. I mean, this kid is unreal. Sider. You're adding him. Schneider eventually, Robertson, they have Tarmo Renainen, uh, I think I'm saying his name right. I, yep. I know I got taught, but I can't remember it. <laughs> they're, they're loaded with defensive prospects right now. And you're talking about a team that is legitimately going to be like this on a different scale every single game. It's going to be impossible to score on them because guess what? You get through that. We've seen what Igor Shosturkin could do when he's all right. And right now he's fifth in goals against, eighth in save percentage, and that's after a bad start. So watch out. Please start scoring. That's all they have to do. If they could score three goals a game, 
this team is going to find oh, a way. Yeah. I mean, if the, if, the, if the Islanders could score three goals a game, Brendan, they'd be... Well, but the difference is the Islanders didn't do it. The Rangers have shown that they can. And if they do... In the playoffs, but in the playoffs yeah. If Zibanejad starts to get right, they're scoring three goals per game. They're right on that cusp right now, yeah. and he hasn't done anything. So if they can get that, all of a sudden you're looking at a team that they've beaten the Flyers, they've beaten the Capitals, they've lost by one goal twice to the Bruins, they've beaten the Islanders, they've beaten the Penguins. If they could start to do that consistently, they're, what, four points behind everybody right now? The Rangers are four points, yes, behind the second, third, fourth, and fifth place team. I don't know if the Rangers are in a similar boat, Brendan. The offense in there, the defense is there. And like you said, you're waiting for Zabanadad to get hot. I don't know if waiting for Brock Nelson to get hot. Yeah, and Brock yeah. Nelson scored yesterday. And the reason I picked Nelson to get the monkey off his back is because I saw Zabanadad do it. And I said, you know what? I got a feeling that if Zabanadad can get the monkey off his back, maybe tonight's the night Brock Nelson does it. And he did. But same issues. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the beginning of the season. We thought they were polar opposites. It turns out yeah. that they're not. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are similar. New York yeah. hockey. It turns out that they are legitimately two defensive teams right now. I mean, I looked at the Rangers and I look at every single game they played outside of that first game against the Islanders and two games ago against the Devils, where it wasn't really a five-two game. They, they were. It was closer than that, but they didn't play well at all. So that's a lopsided loss. Every single game is close. And it doesn't matter if they're playing the Sabres or if they're playing the Boston Bruins. They're in it. And I, I think that part of that comes down to the youth playing down to their opponent. Like, if you're in a one nothing game with the Boston Bruins, you should be able to trounce the Sabres. Yeah. But they can't figure out a way to crack the goalies. And that'll come. Uh, you hope that confidence stems. Like, the Kako injury, or protocol, I should say, not injury, and him missing last game, is very detrimental to their success because he just scored in a shootout. He's looked good. He was going to come out and he was going to get a goal against the Capitals. And I could say that with the utmost certainty. And now he's out. And now it's going to take that while to build it back up. But they'll get there, you hope. It's been fun to watch. At least they're competitive. The Islanders competitive too. Uh, Can't wait for the next meetings between the two of them because it'll be a one nothing game. Let me ask you something. I have a question for you. All right, let's do it. You know, you're talking about past Ranger teams, and you know, I think back to the Devils beating the Rangers and then going to the Cup and losing to the, to the Kings. You. But yeah. uh, Adam Henrique was just put on waivers by yep. the Ducks. Rangers need center depth. I don't know if they need it for $5.45 million a year, but do you think the Rangers could give away somebody and get Henrique to solidify a, a strong four centers? Someone posed the question to me on Twitter about trading Ryan Strom for Adam Henry. No, well, that's pointless. I don't get it. I don't get the hate for Strom at all. Strom no, no, but why would you trade? He plays center, correct, Strom? Yes. So why would you ever, if you're, you're not because trading Adam, a Adam Henrique is a better uh, face-off man. But the guy said in the tweet that Henrique adds size, grit, he can score, and he can win face-offs. Strom's a bigger person than Adam Henrique. Just, it took me, <laughs> took me two seconds to find that out. Serge Henrique plays grittier, but that's because he doesn't have the same offensive talent. Is Henrique older too? He is, and he's five point eight million as opposed to Strom's four point nine. So please, no, I there's no room for Adam Henrique on the Rangers. They, would they love a player that can come in and win fifty six percent of his faceoffs? A hundred percent, absolutely, they would. Is it worth five point eight million dollars to stash him on your fourth line because he's not going to play over Zabanajet, he's not going to play over Strom, and he's not going to play over Edel when Edel's back? No, it doesn't make sense, especially a team that's cap-strapped. Adios, no need for him. Would you be comfortable with him on the Rangers after, you know? Yeah, no, I have no problem with that. I yeah. I mean, if you're going to beat us, you might as well come over and help us win a couple of games, right? But no, it, there's no need. Unless you were finding a situation where Anaheim's eating $5 million each year of his contract, which is impossible, it's not happening. There's no need. Because that's three more years of $5.8 million per. Oh. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. I was just, I was just posing the question. No, keep him, keep him on that side, so he can't do what he did. That goal will forever freaking haunt me because of Brad Richards laying down in the net like he was, you know, being painted like a French girl because he didn't want to poke the puck or put it under his goaltender. He's just laying down trying to block it, and I'm like, get up! Put oh my god! Before you know it, it's in the back of the net, and I wanted to punch somebody in the face. Yeah, I could picture that celebration right now. 
and the Alec Martinez. The goal last night in Lake Tahoe that Martinez scored, legit, <laughs> was besides there being bodies in front, was the exact, exact same goal he scored against the Rangers. Was that game five? Like, I'm not even like trying to make fun of you or make you feel bad or anything like that. It's just the goal he scored was him creeping in unguarded and picking up the loose puck and scoring. The celebration last night was a little different given the, obviously the situation, but it was to a T the exact goal. I thought I was watching a replay game five, double OT the third overtime game of that series. The second double OT game of that series, the Rangers lost all three and they shouldn't have gone to double OT in that second game because Dwight King interfered with Henrik Lundqvist. And if there was review at that time, it would have been waved off and the Rangers would have gone back to MSG tied. And that's my rant. Well, thanks for joining us here on episode 14 of the back check. It's been absolutely stellar. We talked Rangers. Islanders. Oh, Rick Nash sucks. Rick Nash missed an empty net. Oh, I, I can't stand him. One of the most disappointing Rangers I've ever watched play. I don't <laughs> care how many stats you give me. I did not like him. And he made fun of me for not putting a cap on my Sharpie when I went to opening night and I asked him to sign a puck. And I gave that puck right to my brother because I don't want his signature anymore. Get a, get out. Hit the net. How much money you get? Hit the net. You done? Yeah, you can end the show. We'll, we'll close it out. Duh. Duh. <laughs> As always, thanks again for tuning in, guys. We'll see you again on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Have a great one. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.